Um, all right. This is the Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is episode 44. Uh, so awesome. We have Jeff Coover with us. Uh, Jeff, um, maybe you want to tell everybody a quick uh, backstory on you. Um, I know you just said you know, you're 30 years old. PR is 18.8. Uh, Where did you jump in college? How are you still involved in the sport? And you know, how do you keep it going? Because I know for so many people, it's yeah. tough to stay in the sport, you know? Uh, yeah, so I went to college at Indiana University. I'm from San Diego. I've uh, been in the post-collegiate sort of game for a long time now. I guess I'm kind of like one of the oldest guys on the scene now, which is crazy because when I, when I first came out, it was like, you know, it was like Derek and Stu and, um, uh, uh, who was, who else was still, uh, Tim Mack was still jumping, Nick Heisong was still jumping, right. Brad and all these guys. Right. There were so many older guys, and then now I'm like 30, and I'm the oldest guy on the scene. So, um, how do I stay? I mean, I have a full time job. I'm a coach at Northern Iowa. My boss is really awesome and uh, is supportive of me still training, awesome. uh, as long as you know I can still do everything that I need to do with the team. Which right. um, so I just finished my first year there, and um, yeah, training, competing at the same. Or sorry, uh, working, competing at the same time. I've always had a part time job. Like mm-hmm. throughout my whole career, basically, right. um, I'm in North, uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa now. I did a couple years where I spent half the year at uh, my college town in Bloomington and half the year at the Olympic Training Center in uh, Chula Vista, and okay. then moved to moved to Cedar Falls from there. So, um, wow, yeah, I've kind of bounced around, been all over. Um, sort of always been like that on that B level, I've never jumped to the diamond league, but I've jumped to a bunch of IWF world challenge meets and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I've kind of like grinded my whole career right. out and done all the street meets and everything like that. So yeah, I've just been all around. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I think, you know, in, in my mind, I look at someone like you and, you know, having a peer of 18, eight, I, you know, I feel like a lot of times we're so elitist in this sport. We And sometimes we get spoiled. We hear about, you know, let's say someone like Mondo jumping a 605 and we're like, oh, okay, that's awesome. But then it's like if you're not within range of that within a couple inches, it's almost like nobody wants to talk about it. But it's like 18.8, I even feel like, look, if you jumped 18 plus, you're, you're a pretty elite level guy. That is not something that just anybody walking down the street can do. You know what I mean? And I feel yeah, like same well, thing on the female side. It's almost like if you're someone in that 14.9.15 range – you know, that's, that's pretty awesome too. I mean, that's, those are big deal marks. I, I feel, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's for sure true. When I first got out of college, I mean, they used to harp on us at Reno, which was hilarious to me every year mm-hmm. that they did it about us being not good enough, like the men not being good enough, because I mean, we were, we were, we weren't that good back then. I mean, we, if you jumped 18 feet back then, you were, you know, 18 feet on the day was probably top three or four at USA's, honestly. Right. And, um, and now, it, now it's like Cole Walsh just jumped 75, like on a first attempt and got third, I think. So, right. uh, it's like kind of a different, different deal. So, I mean, Scotty jumped 70 and got fourth. It's crazy. Right. So, right. Um, it's a different game for sure now, which is great. It's awesome. I love right. being, I love, I love that I was a part of the game when it was building and every year that they would tell us we needed to jump higher, I would just kind of laugh because I'm like, there's so much talent out there. It's just gonna, 
it's going to do it itself. Like we don't need a pep talk, you know? So, um, right. Well, yeah. I, I, I also feel like, look, it's one thing like it's, it's so funny. Um, I, I saw someone posted today and I get it. I get it. It's something that maybe as a coach also you could laugh at. It's like that, uh, you know, when, uh, when you've done it your way and it's not working, maybe this time listen to coach or something like that, something to that effect, you know, and we all laugh, but it's like, I, I kind of look at a quote like that. It's like, look, there's more to just, I'm a coach and listen to me. It's that the reason a coach's words are so valuable is because you're actually providing people with the tools, the knowledge, and, and also you're there for the athlete. That's why they listen to you. So it's like, I think I, I totally get it. Cause you're not the only person that I've heard that story from when people go to Reno and you guys get the pep talk, like you got to jump higher. It's one thing to be like, you got to jump higher, but like, are you providing support? You know, it's one thing, you know, it's real easy to say, Hey, you should be jumping higher. What, what are you providing back? You know? So it, that's what I always find difficult because I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, again, you, you tell me your experiences, but I know for a lot of people who jump at my club, if it was not for my club, they probably would have been out of the sport a lot sooner, you know, because there's just one, there's limited access to just poles and facilities, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, it's definitely a hard sport to stay in. I mean, at any level. So um, I don't know. Oh, was there a question there? Sorry, I, I kind of so, I was listening, but yeah, that, yeah. all those all those were good points. No, I, no, 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 no worries. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, that was no, all true. That's all, all good. I guess like my question to you is like, how difficult is it for a post collegiate? I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people may follow the people who are on the top, like, let's say like someone yeah. like Sandy Morris and sure. She, I think is in a wonderful yeah. situation where she gets to train at Arkansas and Brian Compton has built like a great culture there. And, and, mm-hmm. and she's in a great situation. And on top of it, she's the silver Olympic medalist and she just won indoor worlds and, mm-hmm. and all that. But what about that second tier level, you know, where you guys are still super, super competitive and mm-hmm. might be on the cusp of doing something really special, you know, how difficult is it in in your words? Like what are your experiences of finding places to jump, getting equipment when you need it? Uh, Even, even something just weight room wise or, or whatever training wise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not easy. I mean, uh, you know, I was fortunate back in the day to train at my alma mater for a little while while splitting time at the Olympic training center, which is obviously a good place to be. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not really pole vaulters there anymore, but, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then here I'm fortunate with, with my training situation here. It's good, but, uh, I mean, finding meets and paying to get there and, and driving my oh, gosh, I, I wish I knew, like, I wish I would have kept an odometer about like of the, the number of miles I've driven around the Midwest to go to pole vault meets. I mean, in Iowa, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I've jumped, I'm, I, I was thinking about it the other day and like in Iowa, I think I've jumped like at, at a meet at one D one or one D three school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Drake relays Iowa state once, uh, and then like maybe four or five meets in Cedar falls. And besides that, the four years that I've lived in Iowa, every other competition I've ever done has been outside of the state of Iowa. So right. it's like, I gotta, I, I've always had to travel to compete. And, um, you know, that puts definitely a strain on the wallet and also just on the body, I guess. But, yeah. um, well, I, uh, I, I mean, mean it's, I, it's like tough I to said, compete I'm, when you have to log that many driving miles. And, yeah. I mean, you know, again, you tell me, but it sounds like you're driving out there. You know, you're hauling the poles around. And then oh, it's yeah. like – and you've got to jump that day. I mean, how yeah. often would you say you competed where you drove out like more than two, three hours 
and then it's like oh, had man. to jump and then drive back home versus oh, yeah. going out a couple days in advance. A lot, man. A lot. I mean, almost always. So, I mean, like anything, like anytime, I mean, I jumped like, a, I jumped like here in Cedar Falls, like I've jumped six, I've jumped like 560, 65, and then my 60, my 568 also a year, but anything else. I mean, almost anything else over 50, like, I've had to drive three hours or drive three hours to an airport and fly. So, like, any decent result that I've pretty much ever had in my career has been on the, on, uh, you know, on the tail end of either some long drive and I get out of the car and jump right away or, or I drive three hours to Minneapolis airport and fly from there and then have to go. So, I mean, right. I'm not complaining. I mean, I've, I've figured out ways to make it work and, right. and I feel like I have a good, formula for it and all that but um certainly you know it's not easy traveling with poles and all that it's like yeah it's not easy but um you find a way and like i said i had part-time jobs all throughout until this year when i got my full-time job but mm-hmm. part-time, had part-time jobs the whole time and kind of knew what i was getting into and kind of knew like all right this is a grind and this is like you gotta like you know, kind of make a lot of sacrifices. My wife like went along with all of that with me and, um, you know, real thankful for that. But, um, it's not like, you know, nothing's handed to you on a silver platter for sure. And I, I I guess I was kind of always one of the people that never really expected it to be. I, I never really thought I was jumping high enough or well enough to deserve very much more than I got. So, but I mean, that's just me saying like, I think I should have, jump higher or should jump higher at some point um right right but i i don't know i mean it's it would have been a lot easier maybe if there were more financial support or if there was more opportunity or whatever but it's like sometimes i i sit and think about it and not to be pessimistic or whatever sometimes i'm like was you know was me jumping 19 feet like would that have been you know it, it's, let's say usatf propped me up and i jumped 19 feet and i went and got and made a world championships final right and and got ninth like would that performance had been let's say usatf pumped twenty thousand dollars into my career like with right. that like in, in, in a business in a business sense like this is was that a good investment for them you know right well i guess that that's what becomes tough for me because you know look i i obviously don't jump very high right like i'm very open about it uh in high school i only jumped 10 six i didn't have a coach <laughs> you know we had four poles at my high school they're all 14 150s and if you were a lucky person you got to use the 14 150 that was a ucs like i don't know why but that was like the special one um well, it's the best one. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the best brand of poles but go on but um but then it's like you know once i started teaching they asked me to start coaching and i'm crazy i just like dove right in right like i i remember going to fedex kinkos the copy uh store and i would literally print out all this stuff i could find on the internet and make my own spiral wrap books of like content you know what i mean and i would just like yeah. read them and so i started coaching and i just obsessed with it and so once i started coaching i jumped 14 from a five once nothing big deal um it was actually 425 so i guess that's 13 11 and a quarter which every Yeah, trust me, all the kids in my club, they love to remind me what my PR is. (laughs) So, yeah, but, you know, so, you know, and then I, once I started coaching, I mean, again, I, I worked with, you know, 
I've, I even spent some time at Flying Circus with Coach Saint and Coach Cawthers. Um, I then spent some time with Vertical Assault and Mike Lorick. Um, I actually got to do a couple camps with Alan Launder uh, when he was touring America, when he wrote Beginner to Bupka. I got to work with Roman Bicharnikov a couple summers in a row and learn from him. So it's like I definitely dove in. I, I coached three Division three national champs and so I've had – or three Division three national championships with, with two athletes. Um, and both of them were like inches away from USA's so they jumped a little bit post-collegiately. Um, so, you know, I mean, I definitely did this because I was passionate about it. But slowly yeah. as you start to, you know, go longer and longer in the sport, like what I'm starting to realize is like, one, I, you know, you have to figure out the business end of it, like you're talking about, because the business end is important. If you want to keep doing this for the rest of your life, if you really love it, you have to figure that out. And I actually remember one time being in Reno and uh, do, do you know the coach Rick Baggett? He coached Tommy Skipper in yeah. high school. Yeah. So it was so funny. So I was like a really young coach at the time and Rick Baggett's talking to me and, um, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I, I love working with my kids and I want to help them and this and that. And he's listening to me and he goes, Hey, listen, he goes, uh, if you go out of business, how many kids are you going to help? And I was yeah. like, Oh well, yeah, it kind of hit me, you know? And at the time I was like, Oh, come on, this guy's being mean, you know, but I got it, you know? And, uh, he, in fact, I, I was like, well, what do you do? Cause I was asking him all these different scenarios. I was like, well, what do you do if a kid's crying at practice? He's like, is it before or after, is it during or after practice? I go, well, what if like you just finished practice? He goes, well, that's the mom's problem. I'm like, Whoa. I was like, he was like so cutthroat about it, but to a certain yeah, but extent, that's like, that's like, I, I, dis- I, I no, disagree I'm, with that. No, no, no. I, I'm not saying I agree with him, Jeff. I don't want you to misconstrue. <laughs> I just have to say, as a coach, like if somebody, mm-hmm. like as a, as a Division One coach, you know, it's like if you if you, I don't know if your job is like just making people pull vault higher, then right. Like if that's what if that's what you think your job is, then I think you should go back and read your job description or whatever. No, sure. I listen. I I I agree. I I agree with you. I think he was just trying to drive home the point of me. It's like. Yo, you have to make sure that these practices the run a certain yeah. way, yeah, yeah. and you have to yep. make sure that it, the process works, and yeah, the you know, culture is good. Yeah, that, yeah, like a, a million different things that he was kind of trying to wrap up, and I guess like that was the best example for him of me it, trying to explain to me, like, kind of like, dude, like you got to make sure you're doing a good job in total. You can't just yeah. worry about one kid crying in the corner if you got ten kids on the runway, you know, and it's like. I get it. Like there's time and place for everything. Like the, like even your athletes need to know it's like they can't monopolize your time sometimes, you know? And I, and believe me, like my athletes come first, but I totally get that. Cause you could have a kid that let's say, you know, just to be honest, it's like they're not working so hard and they're starting to jump lower. And it's like, they're trying to kind of monopolize your time because you're now focusing on the kids who are busting their butt, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so that stuff happens. But anyway, I guess like, Going back to like what we were saying, it's like it is so difficult to stay in this sport and you start to realize the business end of it becomes important. Like, And I, I don't know. To me, it's just there's a lot of things and we, we were talking about before we started the podcast. Like you know, you were bringing up the Diamond League meets and I, I had some opinions about the Diamond League meets. But it's like I just – I don't know. Like how does it work? You know, how, how are other sports doing you know a better job than us? Like I, I – I don't know. I always bring up CrossFit. I mean, you know, why does that work? You know what I mean? Versus do you want to know my opinion? Sure, I do want to know your opinion. I mean, I think it comes down to relatability and the ability for somebody to like, first of all, to relate with the sport and second of all, to be able to just 
like you could go do a CrossFit workout in your backyard right now. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and, and not like how many people, most people have, most people have worked out in most, um, you know, average Americans at some point in their life have worked out to the point where it's like really hard and they're sweating and it's like difficult. And so they can like relate to that. Not most, most Americans have not run a hundred for time or much less pole vaulted for height, you know? And so when you tune into the CrossFit games or the Boston marathon or the masters or Mm. a UFC fight, it's like, that's a relatable thing. That's like something tangible that it's like, Mm. okay, I've sort of done that before. I know what it's kind of like, even if I don't really, even if I've never done the, the, the Janet workout or whatever the CrossFit thing is like, I've never done that exact workout, but I've like worked out to the point where it's really hard. And now I see that these people are doing like five of those a day for four days straight and that's right. a competition. That's mm-hmm. crazy. I want to see who's the best at it. So I think we have a relatability problem and we need to talk about that. Like, I, mm-hmm. like growing, growing the sport and getting more people into it. It's obviously that's like the biggest thing that's going to, going to help with that issue. But like, I think we have to face forefront, like the fact that we're like, yeah, it's cool in person, like at a street vault, to watch somebody pull ball right. 15 feet in front of the place where you get your haircut or whatever. But when you catch it on TV, it's like, oh, that's kind of sweet. But are people going to watch? Are people really going to sit down and watch seven pole vault, diamond league pole vault meets every year if they've never pole vaulted? Like, right. So that's so, tough. Right. So th- this is what I think about that. You know, I mean, I think you bring up great points. You know. Obviously, people can relate to a lot of things in different sports. I would say, though, if uh, imagine you were pitching CrossFit to me, I would, I think, a very easy argument anti CrossFit, I would be like, oh my God, who's going to want to sit and watch someone do burpees? You know what I mean? For, for an hour, you know? And, yeah. and, and I think even something that I, I used to be a bigger fan of NASCAR. Uh, I haven't really watched very much over the past couple of years, but NASCAR, I remember people who didn't like NASCAR would be like, Oh my God, I can't sit there and watch a car go around for four hours, you know, or three it's hours. It's crazy, right? Or, I mean, right. I brought up the Masters. It's like people, well, people want to condense the track and field program on the NBC, mm-hmm. you know, but, but people will literally sit and watch 20 hours of one golf tournament. Right. And, and so the thing that I think also becomes an issue, and I think, it, it, you know, a lot of times I try to discuss this is like, we don't have enough content in our sport, meaning like, we don't have enough people actually talking about it the right way. Like, like if you guys are jumping at a meet, like I, you know, imagine this, I, I would love this. Like after you take a jump, you just took a jump, you're walking off the mats, a reporter walks up to you and goes, Hey, you know, Jeff, that was a big jump. Looked like you had plenty of space on that over the crossbar. Any adjustments for the next jump? You know what I mean? And so now you're actually educating the fans. So if you go, oh, you know what? I'm going to go up five pounds, you know, this and that. Now in the next jump, you know, the the announcer obviously has to be good. They have to be like, all right, remember Jeff said he was going up five pounds. Uh, here we go. Oh, he gets stood up. All right, now now the crowd gets to play armchair quarterback. Or on the reverse end, you go up five pounds, you blow it up even more. Now they're like, what a great move by Jeff. He's probably going to have to go up another. You know, It's like now you get the fans involved. They actually know the ins and outs. I mean when you watch even something like NASCAR, you know, the fans get to know and understand the adjustments. You know, It's like are you going a full tank of gas? Are you changing all the tires, the wedge, You know, all that kind of stuff. So there's so much – and look, I'm specifically talking about pole vault now like 
we yeah. should kind of disregard the rest of the track events for, for a minute. But it's like in pole vault, there's so many fun things like that. I think what draws people in initially to pole vault is like what you said. It's awesome. You're flying through the air. But then what I think keeps us in it is that, you know, one, there's so many variations to training that you could do. But then the other thing is we're all hoping that we hit like the magic combo on the day of the meet, you know, the right grip, the right pole, the right run, you know, and there's a lot of different things to talk about. You know, you could talk about mid-march, you could talk about standard adjustments, you know, I, I mean, you could even have a talk with, it's like, okay, hey, you know, we notice you're the guy that's using spray on his hands and this guy's just using chalk, you know, what's, why, you know, and, and let the fans understand why someone chooses one preference over the other, you know, not to say that one is right or one is wrong, but just so that the fans understand what's going on there, you know? And those are little things that I think we get those stories in other sports and we're not getting that story in pole vault. You know what I mean? It's so much deeper than, than what we're getting normally. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it does. And I think those are all ways to improve like a broadcast or whatever. I still have a hard time believing that that, like, I still have a hard time with the fact that I don't think that gets people to t- tune in. You know, but maybe over time, I guess it's like, I think that uh, everything you said is like, that's going to make a pole vault broadcast way better. I fully agree. Right. Like, it's like the caddies, I referenced golf like five times here. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry about that, but no, 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 mention it more if you want. It's like the caddy, you know, like in the caddy and golf signals to the, to the NBC person on the sideline, like what club the person's going to hit. So that right. the announcer can be like, Oh, he's between five and six iron, but he's going to hit five. And then he hits it over the green and everybody gets to say, Oh, I should hit six. Right. So, right. 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 I mean, that, that's that, yeah, that's the model and that's the way you want to do it. But I still am like, what's going to make it so that if you're like, if it ever happened that you're scrolling through the TV guide and it says the TV guide, what is it? What am I? Yeah. Eight years old? What, is it? what do they call it? I don't know. Yeah. I was just uh, about to bring up Netflix and not even worry about TV, but yeah. Whatever, man. Yeah, yeah. But if you're scrolling and it says pole ball competition, like what makes somebody click on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. No. And, and is it, I don't know. I, I, I think, know. I think obviously, you know, he, here's the thing. I think we both agree. There is something to our sport. You know, we, we both love it. We're oh, not sure. crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is my favorite thing in the world. Like, right. Pole vault is my, if I, if it wasn't, I wouldn't still train and compete and do whatever. Right. Like if I had one day left to live, I'd go pole vault and right. then coach pole vault practice. Right. And, yeah. and so, I mean, the, the thing that I guess I, you know, when I think about our sport, I I'm thinking definitely like long term. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's like little things. That's why even, you know, I was telling you before the podcast, you know, when I talk to people who are now starting clubs, you know, and they're, they're yeah. starting their own private businesses with them, I think that's so cool because what's it, what it's providing is the regular person now has access to the event. Like, yep. I, oh my God, at my club, it's it's so awesome. This one family, they come in from New York City. So it's like about a half hour drive if there's no traffic. Um the whole family jumps, like mom, dad, all the siblings. Yeah, it's like it's freaking awesome. And that's what you want, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. That's why sometimes I almost feel like I know a lot of people are talking. Like a lot of people have these discussions, like how can we get pole more popular? But it really starts there. You can't like like the mom who maybe looks over at practice and like, hey, can I try? You can't be like, oh no, I only coach high school kids. Like you got to be yeah. like, yeah, sure, let's go. Let's do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And get get them involved. Um, it was so funny too. Uh, one of the nearby clubs has like a bunch of masters guys. And I got wind. They were all like contacting me. They were going to come to my pole vault club championships. 
So they start razzing me a little bit, and I go, you know what? I'm going to do it. I got championship belts for the open winners, you know, who nice. got prize money. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a championship belt for the Masters guys. You know, because there was a bunch of them. There was like five, six of them. And so I got a championship belt and and I gave it out, you know, to the winner. And it was so cool because they were so excited. And it's like, it's little things like that, you know, where, you know, right now, it's like if you think about our sport, even though it's been around for so long, if it's to grow the way, you know, maybe you would love to see it grow or I would love to see it grow and others would like to see it grow. It's that kind of stuff because the more accessible it is and then the more competitions. I mean, even imagine that, like what, what you were talking about, having to drive so far to go to competitions. If there are more local competitions, you know, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. I mean, I know even like in something like powerlifting, like most gyms, they'll, they'll host a couple meets a year at their gym. It's nothing crazy. It's just a little meet where that's a good meet for people who are beginners, you know, never yeah. did it before, you know, and I, I feel like we got to be more open to that kind of thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I mean, I think more facilities should be <clears throat> sanctioning, excuse me, sanctioning, you know, just open meets more regularly. I yeah. love stuff like that going on for sure. But. Right. Well, and, and again, I think one, one of the things that kind of, I think creates friction and I, you know, it's funny tomorrow morning, I'm going to have Becca Gillespie on, uh, you know, Becca, right? Of course. Yeah. So she's going to come on and, um, you know, we're going to have a conversation about a bunch of stuff, but I know USATF is going to come up. And one of the things that's crazy is like, really, if you're actually running your club, like a business, USATF starts to make less and less sense because one, their insurance doesn't cover you. So you're going to have to go out and get your own insurance anyway. Uh, then it becomes a huge hassle and paperwork for you to fill out all the USATF stuff. And then even for running a meet, like if you actually wanted to have your meet certified, like you have to jump through so many hoops to get your meet certified, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I don't know if you heard even like, uh, I guess, Again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Sandy jumped that 495 at her Liberty Jump meet, and then it was like, yeah, was and someone brought up attention that oh, like the runway wasn't certified or something, and that the mark got taken down. You know, did you hear about that? Oh yeah, no, I didn't hear yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, like some people called into question whether or not like the runway was legit, and so the mark got taken down. And my my thing is like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like the jump is the jump. And I well, get it. I get. I get it. Yeah. For to- I get it for top level people. There's money involved with their contracts and all that kind of stuff. And also, like she, I think like the Continental Cup team was on the line. Like she was either, which is like if you win that, you get forty grand. But like you said, same deal. Contracts mm-hmm. and money. Like you have to have the number one jump in this. So like, I think what did she jump? Did she jump ninety four or five or something? Ninety five. Yeah. Yeah. So Janet jumped like ninety three, and right. and so Sandy jumped the u.s lead to make this spot for the i think the continental cup team yeah um which is a big deal so if that mark gets taken away that's like a big deal right right no and and listen i get that but i mean i feel like as far as running meets right mm-hmm. and if especially you're, if, if you're, you're just running a meet out of your facility then yeah of course yeah like, that's PR what, is a PR, you know, you're good. Right. Whatever, like somebody texted me about my meet and they were like, oh, like do the, the marks count? I go, uh, no, but I think cash is better. And then the guy texts me back. He goes, yeah, you're right. I mean like because the thing is like I was able to give prize money and look, the people who came to my meet, I mean we happen to have good marks. I mean there, there was a girl jumped 14 and uh, a guy jumped 17.6. 
But at the same time, it's like they weren't like they're, they're getting up there, but they're not they're not under contract with anybody. They're not probably going to hit a mark that's that crazy that's going to qualify them for something. And honestly, I would argue for their case, if they did hit a mark like that. Hey, you got to jump at a meet. You got prize money. If you're really worried about, like, you should be able to jump that mark again. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? And it's like to yeah. provide a great atmosphere for people to jump in. Like, think about it. But I like, mean, but like in your facility, like, what's holding hmm. you back from getting a sanction? Um, like it- I would probably have to pay more money to USATF to run the meet. Then also, they would have to come and check that the runways are level, and I'd have to pay somebody to go, come do that. And no, not in an indoor facility. It's already set. It's all, that's only for raised runways. You'd be okay. So even if I'm not an indoor track, no. If you're, if it's like an indoor facility, I think maybe. I mean, but we did that one time, and it was like the surveyor came out and gave us a surveyor's report, and he was like, "This was so easy, it's free." So just in the fu- mm-hmm. in the future, it might yeah, be, yeah. it might be actually worth it for you. And I think the USATF yeah. sanction is going to be like sixty bucks or something. But mm-hmm. I get, I, I I do understand what you're saying, where it's like, why even go through all that unless somebody's trying to qualify for the Olympic trials, right? Or or make you know the A standard or whatever, which I don't even know how the standards work anymore. It's so confusing. Right. But um, yeah, no, I mean, like the the point of the matter is like, I, and and I think it's an important point to make is that probably facilities think that they need to do all those things in order to have a competition of any kind. Right. Um, where in reality, it's like, um, and actually, Becca might be the person tomorrow to ask about mm-hmm. that. I mean, she's, yeah, she's yeah. the expert on all this stuff. But, right. um, I mean, I think it's an important point. It's like if you have a facility, like call it a Saturday fund meet, have, right. you know, put the bar, put the bar up, have an official run it like a meet, but like, and then and a 12 year old kid gets a PR. That's a PR. You know, it's like right. the highest bar you've ever made. Like that's a PR. Who cares if you can put it on the IWF list right. or not? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, look, I'm going to go even further. Like imagine. Again, and we were kind of talking about this uh, earlier. Imagine you had a series that was not affiliated with USATF, was not affiliated with IAAF, but these kind of like club championship meets, there's prize money, and there's qualifying rounds, right? Like you have regionals, a West East Coast conference, and a national meet. I mean, why can't someone do that even if they are Olympic level? Do you get what I'm saying? Like if the money made sense for them. You know what I'm saying? And for me, yeah. what I think is even bigger, it really helps the people who are maybe that second, third tier that are close, but they're not going to – you know what I'm saying? They're not going to be contracted under a shoe company. They're not going to be making it to the Diamond League meets or anything in Europe. So it's like why not have an alternative for them? Do, do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but like yeah, I do understand what you're saying. And I think that there's something to be said for that. But it's like why shy away from – like why why shy away from like the sanctioning and doing it official if it's like something that's possible? Because yeah. for me, even though like I was like there was one t- time in my life where I got waitlisted for a Diamond League event, like I was never really that close. But like mm-hmm. still, if I were going to do meets like that, like being having those marks being be on, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the IWAF list and the USATF list, like I mean, they go directly off the USATF meets uh or, or you know yearly lists for reno invites so like you want right. to get invited to reno and go jump in the a section your mark better be on the usatf list which means it's got to be a usatf sanctioned event and if you right. want to amass you know a world ranking good enough that you're going to go in 
get into the you know the meets the the IWF World Challenge meets, then you better have world ranking points, and those marks better come off the IWF list. So there is, you know, there is. I, I, I think there's something, you know, there's a reason to to try and jump through a couple of those hoops. Now, if we can get eliminate the hoops and and just be like, you know, what what we're doing over here is more valuable than you even trying to qualify for diamond league meets or to qualify for world challenge meets or to qualify for the, you know, indoor permit meets or whatever, then, then that's one thing. But like Mm -hmm. until then, right. You know, the people on that level that I've been on my whole career, like do need those sanction marks. They're, they're important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, again, your sentiments are good. The sentiments there are, are correct. That, Hey, let's go have a series of meets where we jump for fun or have a series of meets where we just jump for money. Cause like, that's awesome. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've gone and done plenty of meets where they're like, Hey, the runway's downhill. We didn't even try to sanction the meet, but there's money on the line and there's a bunch of good people and it's going to be fun. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Fine. Yeah. No worries. You know? So, right, right, right. Um, well, I guess even there you bring up a good point and I, I think sometimes this is where even, uh, I think we lose people is, as long as people are honest about what's going on, sure, exactly. I think that's 100%. the biggest thing. 100%. Because I'm sure you've heard as many shady stories as I've heard about all kinds of crazy marks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. And to me, it's like – I don't know. To me, it's like – I what I enjoy more than even the marks is like I just love watching people compete. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, it's so funny. It was like, again, it's not a big deal. There was only 800 bucks on the line. But when I saw like the last three, four guys competing at my meet, it was amazing how much those guys kind of went after it at the end because they're not guys that get to compete for money. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the, and, and so, so awesome to kind of watch that all unfold in the end. And, um, you know, it's, it, that's what to me becomes even more thrilling because I think sometimes people get so caught up in marks. You know what I mean? And and sure. to me, I love watching the, the winning and the losing. You know, um, even in New Jersey at the high school level, it's so cool. Like the state level, it's like we have sectionals. If you're not top six in your section, you don't move on. Then yeah. at groups, if you're not top six, you don't move on. And then meet a chance, yeah. obviously, is top eight. No, I, 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 think that, I, I think that the, you know, more than heights or anything else, I think the, people, the, the thing that people can grab onto the the easiest is who won, who got second, who got right, third. Right, right, and and I, and I love I love seeing that story, you know. And yeah. it's so funny. I what do you think about this? I think for you know, especially American fans, right? I know it's like once you start jumping high enough, like everybody starts talking metric, right? But I almost feel like people forget like what that represents. Like even like the Euro champs that just happened, it's like six oh five, six and five ninety five. And what I feel like people don't realize is like those are all two inches apart. You know what I'm saying? It's like 605 yeah. was 1910, then you have 198, and then 196. I mean, that was such a tight finish. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that to me is even more thrilling than the actual who jumped the highest. It's just how tight all those guys were and how the competition all unfolded, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. That brings us to our next point, which sure. was. Uh, Renault is something I wanted to talk about. Sure, sure, you sure. Have, you seem to have a real problem with Renault. Um, I'm saying this kind of tongue in cheek. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> trust me, I have thick skin. I've I've had people say plenty of things to me over the years. Um, so, okay. uh, I mean, 
I guess even before I even touch upon Renault, I mean, I think that's the funny thing too, is like, I, you know, there's all these clicks in, in track, but especially the pole vault world, you know what I mean? Like, and you know, it's like, these people are buddies, these people aren't. And I feel like a lot of times people like do the fake nice thing. And to me, it's just like, I can't stand it. It's like literally people will sometimes like walk up to me and be like, Hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, I, I literally know you were talking shit about me. Like I, and, and I'm not even lying, Jeff, like in my area, right? So in Bergen County, there's about 56 high schools, right? I, at one time, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, at one time in Bergen County, uh, eight of the top 10 on each gender would be mine, like from my club. And it was getting really frustrating for the high school coaches. Right. And so they started bad mouthing me. Like literally one of the head coaches from a high school that I always get kids from, um, he came up to me as Bronco, like these coaches came up to me and they're like, ah, listen, just so you know, like Bronco doesn't coach the right way and you shouldn't be sending your kids to him and blah, blah, blah. And the head coach was like, listen, um, number one, he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about because I don't know anything about pole vault. He goes, number two, I like Bronco. And even more importantly, my kids like Bronco. So that's that. And I mean, like, so I got wind of that. These same people, Jeff, you know, they might even be listening to this podcast. These same people will then. I have no opinions on this. Well, wait, they will text me for (laughs) polls the day before a meet, which I always bring. I always bring, by the way. Go ahead. Good for you. Go, Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just, I was just saying, like, if they were listening, I'm like, I have no dog in this. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, so uh, just, you know, it's interesting. So I, I guess when I look at Renault, I mean, one, I have to say, when he was climbing his way to the world championship, amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it was, and I remember to talk- the world record, you mean? Yes. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. World record. I apologize. Sure. Well, yeah, Time to the world record and, you know, just all the great jumps that he had. I mean, I still remember there was like that one video. It was like right before he broke the world record they put together. And it was like the first video of him doing like flip backflips over bungees and stuff. And it had this yeah, cool sure. song in the background. I loved it. Right. And one of the things that I said about Renault that I thought was so cool, because I feel like sometimes there's like that. The, the like kind of two powerful forces that drive you as an athlete sometimes one you really really just love the event you you're having fun and you just that's it right then on the other side is that darker side right there's like some people and i'm like this when i lift it's like i get in the squat rack and i'm literally like okay bronco you are a huge piece of shit and if you don't squat this right now you suck you know what i mean like i just have to sometimes be negative with myself like it's just how it is you know and it's like what was very like I always thought at that point with Renault, what was awesome watching is just he seems to have a blast. Like he even – do you remember when he posted his um, video of him like jumping in the snow in his backyard? Yeah. I'd be like that was that was just awesome. So I mean just to be fair, I, I mean like I try to always be unbiased about things, you know. And I just thought, you know, when on Facebook, I guess we we commented back and forth with each other a little bit. But – you know, somebody put like, oh my God, so awesome that Mondo ran over and hugged, you know, Renault. I mean, uh, Mondo, so awesome that Renault ran over and hugged Mondo after Mondo won. And I was like, all right, but like, just before you give him like the Sportsman of the Year award, like, let's remember he's, he didn't run over and hug De Silva. And then he happened to compare the Brazilian crowd to Germans who booed Jesse Owens. Okay. So, you know. Real quick though. Sure. That's not what you said on Facebook. You said he called them Nazis. Sure, I did say that on Facebook. I felt I feel like we're arguing semantics at this point. I mean, that, that was the crowd, you know. 
But regardless, well, I, I yeah, but he, but like this, that's very. First of all, my contention was that he, you know, obviously the other part that you left out was that he walked those comments back like right away. I, I mean, I understand. I mean, obviously, you have to walk those comments back. But what, what I'm saying is like he didn't, you know, act very sportsmanlike. And then, I mean, also, let's face it, too. I mean, uh, you know, he. He wasn't happy. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't a great sportsman that moment. And did he make a mistake? Did he apologize? Yes. And that's why, I mean, like, I don't think he should be in trouble or anything. But it's like, I don't think now all of a sudden it's like he's he's the greatest sportsman of the year or something like that. I, I just. No, th- and I don't think that. I, I mean, I don't know. think if you took a poll of, of pole vaulters and guys that never know, I mean, I think he would win like one of the nicest guys awards, but I don't think that he would win a unanimous poll for like best sportsman. I mean, I think he's a, he's a pretty ruthless competitor. You know, I think that moment mm-hmm. with Mondo was, was him being like, dude, you win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that, that's, that's fine. I just, I think that like, okay. So I think a lot of people try to present this super fun, nice thing. And, you know, I mean, look, I've even talked to people who I think Sam Kendricks is great. I think he's an awesome dude. But there's da- damn for sure people that are, don't like losing to him because who likes losing? Yeah. And it's nothing personal against him. It's just it, it could have been anybody. It, it could have been, you know, John Doe was winning all, uh, USA's every year. They'd be pissed at John Doe. But it's like what I'm saying is like there is a competitive aspect to this sport and, and we have to be a little bit more honest about that. I mean, I feel like I constantly see stuff posted by people who are like, oh my God, it's so great that we're all friends and it's so great. It's all awesome. I mean, even on that same Facebook thread, there was later someone had posted something, um, you know, and I had mentioned, I'm like, look, like if we're all friends, like, why, you know, and Brian was uh, the person who started the thread. I said, Brian Munshine, you know, complained about getting kicked out of a high school meet. Why is Brian getting kicked out of a high school meet? Was the high school coach that kicked him out thinking what's best for the kids? Was he being friendly? No, he kicked him out because he doesn't want to lose to Brian. And he's hoping that by Brian getting kicked out of the meet, he now has an advantage coaching. So there's definitely a competitive aspect in our sport. And I just, I wish people would be more honest about it. And I, I think, to be honest, I think... If we presented that sometimes and talked about that, I, I think we'd have more fans. You know, more people w- would feel for that. I mean, that 1997 finals when you—I don't know if you listened to the uh, the Dean Starkey commentary on the yeah. the Neo Vault. I mean, that was awesome. Listening to the back and forth between him and Tarasov, you know, like that really draws people in. It's just that a lot of people don't get to hear that side of it, you know, for, from our sport. You know, it's like. I'll hear some, you know, juicy stories from someone from here or there because I hear, you know, you know, I get all the gossip. But I mean, that's not never presented. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't talk about it. You know? Yeah, for sure. I think that's true. I just think like, no, I, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I, I think that that's all very true. And I think the competitive nature of our sport and like the head-to-head thing, like that, that is the most interesting thing yeah. that happens in our sport. But I, I think it's no coincidence that like Renault, for example, and I don't want to like keep harping on no, no, Renault, no, but like I kind of do because he's a good friend and, yeah, and yeah. he's been awesome to me. But yeah. like, I think there's no, it's, it, there's no, like, it, it's not a coincidence that he's jumped like literally every diamond league meet since 2009. Mm-hmm. And, 
every world championships, every European championships, every French championships. And nobody has ever questioned, like no competitor has ever been like, man, Renault did this one thing and it was kind of messed up, you know? Yeah. I, I, I get it. I mean, I think Whereas also like our, 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 our world record holder on the female side, Jason Beheva is like the opposite, you know, sure. or even like, I really sure. like Jen. I love Jen. I think mm. she's, I think she's great. Um, Mm-hmm. She and I get along really well because we're apparently somehow the two oldest pole vaulters out there anymore. <laughs> but like people give, you know, give her flack for sticking to herself, for being X, Y, and Z type of competitor or whatever. Right. But like Renault has like been pretty bulletproof this whole time because he's like an awesome dude and mm-hmm. like a great person to compete with and a super fun person to watch pole vault because he can do things that I, I mean, Mondo's about to just change the whole yeah, thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Renault do some stuff that's just crazy, but um, right. Well, and I, don't know. I, I mean, look, I think part part of the issue is we're getting very small fragments uh, of information. You know what I mean? It's like to to me, I mean, outsider looking in, like you know, I I've never been to a Diamond League meet as mu- much of the American population hasn't. You know what I mean? Hasn't sure. You know, yeah. and so for us, I mean, we see these snippets. You know, like the Euro Champs. You know, even if you didn't watch it live, you've definitely seen video from it. You know, you you see stuff from the Olympics and World Championships. And so one of those moments in our memories is, you know, Rio and what happened in Rio. So, you know, and that that's, I guess, part of the problem in our sport. Let's not. I mean, like, the comparison was terrible. It was bad. And like I said, he walked back. He apologized. Let's not forget what happened there. Like, I had friends. I, I I had friends in that stadium that were like, pole vault fans were like we were gonna leave because it was it was it was uncomfortable it was like so bad it was such bad behavior by an entire stadium of people you know i mean mean, so i mean i i look i i don't know so tell us like i mean what i mean for the people that are listening like what what did you hear like what what were they doing oh no it's not what i mean you can this is because this is like confirmed like starting at yeah, no, five, I, I think starting at so so Tiago like starts at 60 and misses twice or something and right. passes to 65 and then makes it right and right. Then he like passes to 80 or 85 or something and makes that I forget the exact X's mm-hmm. and O's but yeah. suddenly late in the competition he's in the game and at like 85 or 90 the crowd starts booing Renault on every attempt right and so every time Renault's on the runway the crowd is booing from the moment the bar is put up and right. like booing loudly and because uh, it's Renault versus Tiago at that point and so right, Renault right, makes right. like you know 88, 93 and 98 I think all on first in like with boos coming down upon him mm-hmm. and then uh, takes one at 03 and then Tiago makes it and then right. and then he goes to 08 and uh, the friend of mine that was that was in the pole vault area right said at 608 it was deafening like you just couldn't hear because the booze while renault was up and the clock was on the booze were so loud right um and so i i mean look and that's not that's not justified that's not just if you know a, a behavior no, justifying no, no, no. And, comparing and, comparing the crowd to nazi germany obviously which is the reason why he said it and then said right. that was totally wrong i completely apologize but at the same time like let's not forget that like that some of the worst sportsmen like fan behavior in the right. history of our sport now here's the thing too i mean i think yes our sport doesn't see that often um 
Although, okay, I'll give you a little bit personal example, and then I'll, I'll tell you. We'll, we'll we'll bring up some analogies in other sports, but. I'll tell you what, and like I told you what coaches were saying to other coaches in my county, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I have literally been at meets. Like I have one year I had a girl that ended up winning the state title from five lefts. I mean I can go into the reasons why she was only at five, but she was a very talented girl. She jumped yeah, 12 awesome. at a league meet at the armory and literally the only cheer you heard is from the college kid that came with me to like videotape for the meet. You know? Yeah. That was the only cheer. You could hear a pin drop in that armory. The very next year, some girl that was coached by the other side, when she cleared 12, you would have thought the entire county coached her. The place went nuts. Then the next year, I had a girl jump 11-6 who was not picked to win. She was a dark horse. She double PR'd that day. She jumped 11-6, wins the league title. You heard a sigh, a collective sigh. When my girl cleared the bar, you heard, (gasps) Like that. This is a high school meet. This is a high school meet. And so, I mean, like, I, first of all, I've like, I've, I, I get it to some level, but then also if you think about professional, other professional sports and especially Brazil, I mean, they're so big with soccer. I mean, soccer crowds are crazy. Again, I think it's something that we're not used to in the track world. Like the, like the typical track meet, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. And again, this is from an American viewpoint. Again, I've never been to a Diamond League meet. You know, I don't know what that's like. But it's like, I don't know. It's a laid back atmosphere. You know, I, I, I don't know what you would compare it to. I mean, would, would it be closer to something like a golf atmosphere? Like, what, what would you say, like, a Diamond League meet is like? Like, crowd-wise. Uh, when you compare it to different sports, you know what I'm saying? Not like golf, but, um, I mean, not... Not like soccer where it's crazy and loud right. the whole time, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's definitely hectic. I mean, I took two friends in Paris who had never been to a track meet before to that meet and they were mm-hmm. like, dude, it was awesome because there's so much energy and it's right. cool and whatever. So, I mean, it's loud. It's yeah, not yeah. like, like you said, it's not like soccer, you know, NFL when they score a touchdown or whatever, but mm-hmm. when, I mean, in Paris, it was like crazy. It was like seven world leads and when something like a big performance like that drops, like the whole crowd, the whole stadium goes right. nuts and it's 30,000 people like packed. Right. That. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but like, right. But it's, it's, you're not going to have moments like a basketball game where people are booing the guy shooting a free throw. Never. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously it was something out of the ordinary, you know, and he had never experienced something like that before. And well, I, I mean, there's w- a, probably one vaulter in the history of the Olympics that has ever faced something like that. And I mean, that Kazakiewicz, yeah. the, the yeah, Polish Kazakiewicz. guy, you know, where, I mean, talk about, you know, the Polish and the, like the politically charged. Yeah. Oh my God. That was amazing. And yeah. I don't know if you heard the, again, this is what I heard that they were closing the stadium doors when he would jump so that he didn't get tailwind. And oh, really? Yeah, I've heard that yeah. That's I heard that somewhere too. Yeah. No, and that's that, also like horribly unsportsmanlike. Right, right, right. And then, but the thing is, Kezakevich wins and then he, you yeah. know, gives the F you to the whole yeah. crowd. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, it's very interesting. The other analogy that I, I've been giving a little bit, and I had Tiana Bartoletta on, um, mm-hmm. the Olympic champion from the Olympics, yeah. and I said, you know, a lot of people like, you know, they want our sport to be more popular, but it's like, and you, you know, there's definitely out athletes out there that would love to be like the LeBron James of pole vault, for example. But yeah. then it's like, when you think about the fact that LeBron just went to the Lakers and they had to take the mural down 
because they did a mural of LeBron James and they put King of L.A. and it kept getting graffiti. So they tried taking the L.A. part out and they pe- kept putting graffiti. So they they put took it down completely. And it's like that guy still has to wake up every morning and go to work. I mean he has to go play for L.A. It doesn't matter that there's people that don't like him in L.A. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot more people that do like him in yeah, L.A. than don't. But. For sure. For sure. I, I mean I, I think that's always the case, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, and – I mean, that's just a part of it. I mean, the more popular things do get, I think the more you're going to hear both ends, you know, you're going to hear, you know, praise and you're going to hear criticism, you know, I mean, I get sometimes, you know, stuff on, you know, my social media posts where, you know, people are arguing with me. I mean, I had one time, like, I don't know, some some girl was deadlifting and somebody's like, you're going to kill her back. And I was like, why? Like, what's, what's wrong? You know what I mean? And it's like the guy never answered back. And I just, I sometimes try not to pay attention to stuff like that because I think it's just people commenting who want to comment. You know what I mean? mean, There's definitely people who just want to be negative all the time. Um, I mean, I definitely hope I don't come across that way. You know what I mean? Like I definitely just like really, really care about the sport and I, I do want to see it grow. Um, it's just that I also want to be really, really honest about things. You know what I mean? Like I think, yeah, I, I think sure. honesty is, is super important. And, you know, I think sometimes like I may even personally come across as maybe a little rough or maybe, I don't know, like, I don't like this person or I don't like that person, but it's not that. I mean, I mean, I even think that, you know, someone like you, I, I think about guys like you all the time. You know, I don't, do you know who Nick wow, Homan thanks. is? I do. I just saw him this weekend. Yeah. Just- right. Yeah. So Nick, I mean, so crazy. We kind of like connected through social media and I've been helping him out and, you know, texting him stuff for workouts and stuff. And, and he actually came down to my pole vault club championships. And it's like there, I mean, you know, you're, you're an 18, eight guy. I mean, to me, I'm sorry. I, if that's not elite, whatever, like uh, we're arguing hairs here. You know what I mean? It's like, I almost feel like if you were in the right, like imagine if like, instead of field sizes of like seven or eight dudes, imagine if the field size was like 25 and you were there. You don't know if it might be your day where if you're in the right setting, you know what I mean? You, you get that next mark, you know, because it means something, you know? Um, and so it's like, I, I just, you know, I feel like there's a lot of guys like you. And then there's even like the next tier down where it's like someone like Nick oh, yeah. who, who jumps 17, nine, who it's like, you know, one, they need access, you know, they need, they need facilities and it's like, they need some support and they need meets, you know? And I know that this sport can be bigger than it is. You know what I mean? It's just the opportunities need to be there, you know? Yeah. I agree. I don't know how we got from booze in Brazil to like Nick Coleman and stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, this is the great thing about a podcast. This is why, like, I, I know I hit you up a while back. We were going back and forth on Messenger, and I was like, we should do no, a podcast because it's good. Yeah, because we we can actually have a conversation. Because something is tough. Like, you try to get your thoughts across on a, me- on a message board or Facebook, uh, you know, comments, but it's like you can't really go back and forth and kind of like actually hash it out. You know what I mean? This is, this is a great way to hash it out and kind of, I think it's a great way for other people to kind of listen into it and, and, you know, see what they think too. You know, I agree, man. I'm I'm into it. And like I said, I love the pole vault. I love the pole vault world and all that. And, um, I think more stuff like this is, is good for it for sure. As long as there's like, you know, I I think the important thing is just getting multiple viewpoints, multiple, you know, different people that think different things and have different ideas. And so it doesn't become like an echo chamber or whatever. I mean, we all love the pole vault. We all love the pole vault so much. We can like talk about how it should be bigger until we're blue in the face, but it's like, right, right. 
Gotta figure out how to actually do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me, and I, I know lately I've been doing a couple uh, posts about this, is like, I think the more people to start clubs, the better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. luckily, I think there's a lot of people that are fortunate enough that they can start really small out of their own high school or maybe even college, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Depending on the situation and just kind of get it off the ground. Cause yep. I, I mean, it's so funny, you know, so I have about a hundred kids a year, you know, and, you know, I'm hoping to grow and I have some th- uh, thoughts on personally how to grow my own uh, brand a little bit and, and branch yeah. out. Um, but the thing that I always tell people is like, all right, on a given year, depending on the year, I make probably thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year. It's nothing crazy. But at the end of the day, it's like I literally – all I do is coach pole vault. It's, yeah, it's like unbelievable, right? Like I, I literally – I remember turning to an athlete one time lifting and I was like, you know like I'm at work right now? Like, I feel like yeah, I'm like crazy. stealing, you know, like yeah. I feel so lucky cause I don't have to do anything that I don't like, you know what I mean? Not yeah. to say that there's not tough parts. Like, you know, I have to answer emails, do paperwork and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but it's, it's a blast. And I think, I think if more people who do love the sport kind of go down that direction, it will help bring the sport to so many more people. Uh, I mean, I know even, uh, the guy from Maryland, Jacob Sanders, he told me how, you know, just numbers wise, we're producing way more pole vaulters out of New Jersey than our population shows Good. just because of the club numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, great, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. More of that. Yeah. Um, more of that. So I don't want to keep you. Uh, we've been already almost an hour. Um, no, is there something else? Well, no, that's what I was going to ask you. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? think so i mean i think we pretty much touched on most things i know there's going to be more but maybe i can yeah. like be a re- repeat customer yeah, of course thing, so. of course um <laughs> did you uh did you want people to follow your instagram or anything is there anything you want oh, to kind of plug or anything they can if they want to yeah i think i'm at jay coover or jeff coover at jay coover i think jay coover okay. oh god i think it's jay coover and then i think my twitter is jeff coover I okay think. awesome so, J-C-O-O-V-E-R. Yeah, go ahead and follow. See pretty much one of like 10 people that are pole vaulting in the state of Iowa. So. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it's growing. We're growing. It, yeah. And I, so I'm like really psyched. We have six pole vaulters now. We were at zero right. like three years ago. So That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, that, but that's the thing. We're at those stages where even something where, you know, someone else may not think that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. You know, going from zero to six is, is, is awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, we're trying to get the, the we don't, you know, we don't have high school football in Iowa. We're the only oh, state wow. where the last one's left. So okay. we're working on that too. So awesome. Well, look, <laughs> also if there's anything else that I can help with, you know what I mean? As far as that, you know, just let me know. And, um, just pick your club up and move it over here. And we'll be good to go, man. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see if I can get wheels on the building. Um, yeah, but hey, thanks for everyone who's listening. Um, it's at the real Apex Vaulting, Apex Vaulting on Facebook uh, and Twitter and Snapchat. And if you need to reach me, it's just apexvaulting at gmail.com. Jeff, thanks for being on. This was an awesome episode. Oh, yeah, it was a pleasure. Sorry, it's like the longest podcast ever, but. No, no, no worries, man. And and not the longest, actually. But if you want to try to break that record, we could do it next time. Okay, that sounds good. (laughs) We'll do that for sure. All right. Awesome. All right, Bronco. Thanks, man.